the Nashville 2 Podcast with your host, Edward Fox. G'day viewers and listeners, it's Ed Fox from Nashville 2 back with another, another fun episode. And my special guest today is Carrie Durad. Did I get that close? You got it right. Okay. And she's the executive director of Jonathan's Path. Folks, I was at a Rotary Club meeting where Carrie spoke and I said, Carrie, you got to come on the show. And she said, oh, I'd love to. And then <laughs> about eight months later, I... <laughs> And that's through no fault of hers, but mine, because we had just had a bunch of guests set up and I don't have systems in place to make that happen. So I appreciate you, uh, you take it, you being willing to uh, let me uh, be me. So yeah, no worries. <laughs> so Carrie, tell us about, tell us about who you are, what you do. And uh, let's start with that. Were you, are you from Middle Tennessee? I am. I was actually born in Fort Campbell military base, just right up the road in Clarksville and grew up in middle Tennessee. So this is home has always been, I've had a few jaunts around the world, including to Australia oh, really? for, uh, for a long, long, long summer, probably too long and uh, made my way back home. And currently I am a foster parent. I am an adoptive parent of an 18 year old and the executive director and co-founder of Jonathan's Path. Right. And and you shared some interesting information, and we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Folks, stay tuned. you got to listen to this stuff. It is amazing. And make sure that when it goes out and you find the podcast and you find the video that you share it with a bunch of people. So tell us what's going on from your perspective in the state of Tennessee when it comes to the whole what do we call it? The foster system or or whichever way you want to word that? Yeah, the foster care system, perfectly said. So the state of Tennessee is in a crisis. We have just, a, last time I checked, it was just over 9,000 kids in foster care. That means anywhere between zero and 18 years old. And we have just under 5,000 homes. So the number of kids that we have continues to increase and the number of foster homes continue to decrease. Right. When that happens, not only is there enough room for each child to have a home, but the younger kids seem to have an easier placement sometimes where the teenagers have a harder time to place. And we know teenagers are the easiest humans to get along with. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, but I am a huge fan of teenagers. So we believe at Jonathan's Path, we actually focus on teenagers in foster care because we believe just like any other child, they deserve the same amount of love, the same opportunities, and probably need a little bit more um, hands-on support and care because it's teen years. There are no harder years. If I, I mean, I can't imagine. Well, and now back. with with social media and everything else that they have to deal with, Mm, mm, mm. I'm happy. No, right Thank you very much. Ex mm -hmm, exactly, Edward. I would never want to go back to those years and let alone thinking about having to be a teenager again without having parents or uh, like a, a hardcore forever support system in place and having to navigate all this again. It seems like an impossible daunting task. On top of that, these teenagers, because there's not enough home, they're in transitional housing. I'm sure you've seen the news where some of them have been living um, in the um, DCS offices. Uh, they're couch surfing because some families can only keep them for a night or two nights. And so every time they move, 
we are compounding the level of trauma that's already been inflicted from the home that they were removed from. Right. The biggest thing about this whole process that as a parent, as a foster parent, as a parent, as an adoptive parent that bothers me is they cannot start mental health services until permanent placement is found. Wow. That means if they're bouncing week after week, month after month, which is average, they come in from a very traumatic situation and they're not having a safe place or mental health services in place that they cannot start to unpack these things. And then we wonder why teenagers are so angry and mad. Well, yeah. And I remember being a teenager and I was angry and mad without any of that. My parents <laughs> married, my parents, you know, raised us. Uh, it was a good home. Um, you know, there's always challenges as a teenager, sure. but, you know, a teenager in what would have been 77, 78 for me, that's a lot different than being a teenager now. And then you add all of this other stress and trauma to them of, of this. It's already bad enough that you think you're unwanted, even if yeah. you are wanted and, and loved. And then you get a situation like this. I, I think it must be very difficult. It is, it is truly a difficult thing. And I'll give you an example. I have a 14-year-old foster son in my home right now. Um, mother is deceased. Father is incarcerated. So he's a full ward of the state. His biggest fear in life is not about being a failure, is not about not having a girlfriend or, or a spouse, is not about um, succeeding in life. You know what it's about? Being alone. Hmm. At 14, he is so consumed and worried that someone will not love him and be with him for the rest of his life. Right. And so one of the things that we are doing as Jonathan's path and as his foster parents that love and adore him is we want to make sure that a, we are building homes and opening homes for teenagers throughout middle Tennessee and then rolling out statewide to make sure these home, these teenagers have a home base, meaning right. once they enter Jonathan's path, if they are not able to go back home, they can stay with us. Right. We're going to be become their surrogate family. That's really important because as these young people come into our community, if they don't have someone to call when the bad day happens or when a great day happens or when a whatever day happens, then they become what, what I call idle hands. And we know idle hands can get into some trouble. So we want to be that family to say, hey, let's talk about this bad day. What does that look like? Let's talk about this great day and go celebrate because you are important. You are important to our community. You are important to our family. And you know what? They can become some amazing citizens for our for our state. But if we forget about them or we push them to the side, or we minimize their trauma, then we're just going to be compounding the problem. Right. And so many times that's what we do uh, in countries like America and Australia. Now, I was born in Australia, moved to America when I was 22. And I, I, I say Australian by birth, American by choice, right? I would imagine that if you didn't have choices in life, it becomes very, very difficult. And so these kids not having the choices and we sort of like push them aside and sort of hide them as we are want to do and mm -hmm. go on with our lives because it's just too difficult to deal with and too hard to think about that can't end up well no 
No. And, and it is difficult. I mean, you've hit the, the, probably the biggest nail on the head. We don't have a lot of foster families signing up for this process because a lot of the kids that are coming in are teenagers. So we need homes that are willing to say, yeah, I'll take a teenager. But people know and the well-adjusted kids are hard to deal with, but you're talking about children with trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma, and you have to be patient because they are going to push all the little buttons that you have. But when you get past that point and you see this child start opening up and trusting, you're going to see a new human. Right. My son that we adopted, we had him at uh, 16. We adopted him at 18 because it took that long to get through the adoption process. He is now at Lipscomb University. He is on the honor roll. He is heading to Austria to, to study um, next semester. Um, he is a pre-law student. And this is because he had someone that says, I've got you and I'm not going to give up. And so Jonathan's path wants to be that for these teens because we're not afraid. We know it's hard. We know it's ugly, but we're up for the challenge. So have you guys... When you were talking at Rotary and when I was listening, you guys have sort of laid out a plan. Tell mm -hmm. us, tell us, tell us a little bit about what made you start uh, Jonathan's path. What, where you went from being, is it fair to say, I would call myself ignorant of all of this going on, whether that's because I'm like, no, 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 I'm not listening or because I didn't know. How did you move from that sort of, you know, or have you always been aware of this? How did you move from that stage to what you've created now? So my family, um, we had, my husband has two biological children. So we got together with all four of us and decided we saw that there's a problem. Obviously, we know about it with teenage kids who have friends. So we were aware in that community. Um, and so we had a family meeting or four and decided that as a family, we have room and space, but more importantly, we have the love because room and space, everyone has that to some degree, but it's the love that you have to have because that's the hardest. Yeah. And so we got together and we decided as a family that we're going to open our home to foster and we we're going to do it in the like-minded age groups because we had, of course, kids at that age. Um, and it has been the most difficult, rewarding, life-changing, aggravating. <laughs> aggravating, all of the ING adjectives that you could think of process. But in the in the end, it has changed our family for the good. And, and so from that, we saw now my son, Taylor, who's adopted. We've seen him in the progress that he has um, made. So Jonathan's path is actually named after his older brother, Jonathan. And in the home, he died of um, neglect and abuse before Taylor and Jonathan could be removed from the home. Wow. So we're doing it in his honor because this is a child that unfortunately the system did not work for him. So we're going to we're, our goal is to make sure that there's not another Jonathan, but more importantly, there's more Taylors. There's more kids that are succeeding because they have that home base. So you decide that, yeah, we're going to foster and then tell me about the goal of Jonathan's path. So we would like, um, and we're asking, this is part of the ask, we're asking for help. So we are opening homes 
that are small homes. So we're talking about three or four bedrooms that we can ha house no more than five or six children in one home. And we are going to open them, home, uh, open them up in Middle Tennessee strategically. Like Rutherford is a very big area that needs some support. Uh, Davidson County, uh, Wilson County. Those are some of the big ones that the numbers are increasing and teenagers are constantly moving into transitional housing. So right. we need support by if you have an extra home, uh, if you have a rental property that you would like to donate, um, if you have monetary donations, if you're a therapist and want to become part of our therapy group, um, if if you have a business that can benefit teens in any way. So job opportunities. We're looking for all of these community partners because we're going to be that the home in the house, but it's going to take our community to raise them. Right. And so would mentoring and stepping in if you couldn't take a full-time foster or you couldn't provide one of the other things you've talked about is there a need to just spend time with these kids absolutely absolutely they you know they strive they not that strive they they appreciate when someone wants to hear what they have to say because for many they've been taught that what they have to say does not matter so if someone is willing to listen or take them out for ice cream or um, just spend some time playing some board games or basketball, whatever it may be, right. it can really change someone's life. And not to be selfish, but it will probably change your life more than theirs because your heart grows a thousand right. times bigger. Right. It's amazing when you, uh, you know, when you take your eyes off yourself and put them on somebody else, what you can do. One of the things I love about the South, of course, is there's so many people giving in so many different ways. Um, and I, I think America is un is almost unique in that. Mm -hmm. in that the, the, the majority of the gifts and the generosity of America to other countries around the world, uh, to other organizations and, and, and individuals. Yeah. Um, you know, bring me your huddled masses, right? You know. But what about our huddled, huddled masses, right? You know, what are we doing? What do we do? You know, do everything that you're doing, but what are we doing? What can we do in our own communities? And that's really where I'm starting to see a difference in the way of I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking fix stuff on the na national level. And now we're realizing, well, you know what? If we fix a bunch of stuff on the local level, and if we all fixed a bunch of stuff on the local level. Yes. The national <laughs> level wouldn't be a problem. Correct. And I think, you know, one of the things that are misconceptions about foster care is that these teenagers end up in foster care because they're, um, they're, you know, stealing cars. And now, don't get me wrong, there are some kids in foster care that do that. But a lot, the majority of the kids end up in foster care due to abuse and neglect. And if we break that cycle, like you just said, and fix our backyard first, and teach them and give them the tools how not to continue that process, we're going to fix a lot of things here locally. Right. And we need to start with our young people. And I would think, I mean, I my wife and I have talked, right? So we've got three biological kids, but we tend to we tend to bring people together all the time too. So we had an Afghani guy, 28, was targeted by the Taliban, the, uh, the, the U.S. Special wow. Forces give him a special visa and he ends up over here. He wasn't the only US, uh, the only Afghani translator that that happened to. A, a bunch yeah. of them did. But I happened to find him. We found each other. He plays cricket. I play cricket. 
we took him in under our wing. He moved into our house. We've prayed about it. We've we've done everything we can to do the right things. I know his heart. He's been around. You know, you like him too. Well, yeah, I like him as a friend, but I don't want him to move into our house. And so we ended up taking that risk. It could have turned out differently. Sure. We, we took precautions. We talked with him a lot. Uh, but now he's one of our kids and, and, you know, he's living out in Sacramento and he calls us mom and dad and, and he lived with us when nobody else would take him in. He'd run out of money, didn't have a job, spoke five languages, mind you. I have trouble with English, right? <laughs> he's speaking five languages, self-taught, yeah. self wow. uh, gone to Pakistan as a 15-year-old, walked from Afghanistan into Pakistan and then went back when his family decided it was safe enough after the Russians left or after whatever, you know, I'm getting all my timelines mixed up, but whatever. And um, and then he comes over here. And so that's happened with a couple of our non-biological kids. Yeah. And it is so rewarding because they do look at you as a mentor and a teacher. And when you can see them understand some of those traits and utilize some of that stuff, you know, um, you, you start to, Hey, look, read this. If you want, um, I got good value out of it and stuff like rich dad, poor dad. Well, this is stuff that's never going to be taught to that kid. Correct. And, and he learned how to buy his house and yeah. he bought a house, moved, bought another one. And now he has two houses as a 30 year old, 32 year old. Um, not the Afghani, another one of us, but, uh, there's an Indian kid that came over as a foreign exchange student. And the family that had him didn't care for him and so didn't want him. So he got offered to us. And I'm like, dude, can you play cricket? I'm like, I'm looking for good bowlers. And so he's in. So anyway, so, but I say that to say, my wife and I have talked about it and what we've done in the past. And we're kind of scared, right? Yeah, sure. And, and, and I'm just opening up and being vulnerable. And I think there's Absolutely. probably people out there listening to this that are like, all we hear about is the negative stuff. We don't hear yes. about the positive stuff. And so, yeah. it, you know, it's like people going to Australia. They're like, is there really that many snakes and spiders? No, there's more. There's more. But they tend to keep out of your way if you keep uh, out of theirs, right? Yeah. I, so grew up in, right, I grew up in Sydney. I was never bit by a funnel web or a black, a redback spider. I was never bitten by a snake. You know, I didn't have anything attack me in the in the water. Um but it's what the media portrays. When I came over here, it was late 80s, 89. Uh, I moved here in 90. Mm -hmm. And it was all uh, uh, drive-by shootings and crack houses. And, and, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, I walk out of the airport, I walk down the street, I'm going to get shot. And so I think, how do you overcome some of those concerns that I as a, I've still got plenty of energy. I've still got plenty of love to give. I'd probably make a great foster parent but I'm scared to death about yeah. getting the wrong type of relationship or getting the wrong, you know, I put a hand on his shoulder and oh, like, oh, he's a pervert. He tried to, you know, I've had that happen when I've taught cricket in schools. Yeah. Right. And I've just had to learn to, you know, just uh, applaud from afar. But, but what do you say to those sort of concerns? Well, I would say, too, um, if you're interested in becoming a foster parent, they they have classes that are non-committal. So you go and they start teaching you about different techniques, about um, about how the brain works in trauma. Um, they show you some ideas. But the most important part of the process is you and your your spouse or your partner. You sit down and you go over the list of behaviors and there's a long list. 
And you can say, I feel like I am capable of handling XYZ, ABC, EFG. But these over here are out of my wheelhouse. I would feel uncomfortable if a child came in with these behaviors. And so you're you're kind of able to, to say, okay, um, for example, right now there are 13 kids I'm aware of that do not have, that are in transitional housing in my community. And if I had another room, I would call them and say, okay, here's, you know, they've got my profile and they'll say, okay, this kid matches with your strengths. And so my strengths may not be your strengths. Right. So I, I know I'm very comfortable. My husband is comfortable. We know what we can handle and we know what is outside of our abilities. So as long as you know that and you work with placement, you have a really good opportunity to get matched and I say match, but get matched with a child that that you can handle right. um, within your your safe space. But you also have a social worker, you have a parent worker, you have the placement worker that I can call at any time and say, okay, this child is having a meltdown. Um, this happened a couple of nights ago. This child was having a meltdown and it, it kept escalating and my de-escalation techniques were not working, were not working, were not working. And I said, okay, I said, you know what? Let's call our friend social worker and get her on the phone and social worker and I together were able to get him to de-escalate. Now, nothing happened. He was just angry, but we knew if it kept going, it would get dangerous for him. Right. So I was able to call, get someone on the phone, de-escalation. We were eating dinner and laughing in 20 minutes later. So if that is a fear, fear stops us from doing some great things so many times, then I would say, take the leap of at least going to classes. And if the classes feel like they're too much, that's fine. Right. If you do not feel like the calling is to have a child in your home, that's okay too, because there are organizations like Jonathan's Path that say, that's fine. You could help, um, maybe you can help drive a child to school and be part of our car carpool team. You can help us by teaching the kids how to cook. So maybe you can cook dinner with this one night. There are other ways to get involved. But what I don't want to see is our community to be so afraid of these teenagers that we keep turning our backs and closing our ears to a problem that is actually growing and getting worse. Right. Yeah. And that make, that makes perfect sense, especially with, I'm sure a lot of us have been through that where we've had some great experiences uh, with different kids and not <laughs> so great experiences so we can't let the fear stop us. I always tell people, look, if it's if it's not going to kill you, you know, then it probably you can probably learn and work your way through it. In fact, I just had a call right before we jumped on because I'd had a lunch with a young guy, 25. I learned from him. He learns from me. And we try and get together for a coffee every couple of months. And he said the other day you had said something about um, try things that won't kill you if they go wrong. He says, yeah. what do you mean by that? And I had just gone through this whole list similar to what you had said. Look, you know, you know, skydiving, probably not the thing you want to try if it goes wrong. Right. You know, not the <laughs> thing, you know, um, if you don't succeed, you don't get to try again in most cases. But most other things. So I'm saying stand up in front of people and talk, mentor somebody at a local school, do something with a local organization that is beyond your uh, skill set. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. I, I think I think fear stops so much 
greatness from happening, not only in ourselves, but our kids. And we limit ourselves. And sometimes we even limit our kids because we're afraid that they're going to get hurt or um, in some way make a bad choice. We hear that all the time, right? Where family Mm -hmm. says, oh, no, don't don't leave to start a business. Don't leave your job to start a business because what if it doesn't work, you know? They're not doing it so that you don't start a business. They're doing it because they think what they're saying protects you. And Correct. we've got to learn to take that leap. And so I th- I would say that this is one of those cases and, you know, one finger pointing at somebody else and three pointing back at me saying, hey, maybe sit through a, a foster class. See, see if, you know, if you and your partner, you and your spouse, or if it's you by yourself, see what right. it takes, see what you can do. Um, so that's great advice. What else would you like to share, share Carrie? I would uh, just like to say, if you can, can I plug the website? Would that be okay with you? Stop by jonathanspath.org. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, jonathanspath.org. And we're going to have some um, events coming up this summer. Um, We would love to talk to you if you're interested in getting to Jonathan's Jonathan's Path or becoming a volunteer. We actually meet once a month virtually as our team starts to grow and we start having brainstorming sessions and how we can do more. We would love for you to be a part of it. So there is a like a newsletter sign up form on our website that uh, we would love to hear from you. Cool. And we'll have all the information about Carrie and her organization in the show notes. And I'm sure she's uh, she'll have a bunch of resources on the website that you can go through as well. Carrie, before I let you go, yeah, when you're not when you're not doing this, is this your full time gig or do you have a job as well? Another. I have a job as well. So I am in sales and marketing operations during the day okay. and then Jonathan's path during the day and night, 24 right. seven. So when you're not working, what do you, what do you and your family like to do? Uh, we are outside. We are outside people, hiking, biking. Um, we do love movies, though. So we're kind of the Marvel comic movie family. Okay. Do you um, have quantum, quantum, quantum mania? mania? No, it's on our to-do list. Okay. Okay. Um, but we're also big travelers. So okay. we like to travel a lot. Okay. So, uh, you know, what we do on the show is we have three hidden gems. So I normally try and space them out, but I got so engrossed in what you were talking about. I didn't want to stop you doing that. Um, so talk to us about your three hidden gems that we asked you about before the show uh, when we sent you an email. What are, oh what are, what are your, Do you remember? No, I just thought about that. <laughs> I know we talked about it right before we started, but then I like had this moment of, oh my gosh, I forgot what it was. There we go. Okay, so let's do a new three. If you don't remember, so tell me something. So when you like to hike, see me, I like to lay down until the feeling passes, which is why you look like you look and I look like I look, which is okay. You know, be authentic to yourself. Okay. Uh, yeah. where do you, where's one of your favorite hiking areas around Middle Tennessee? Yeah, so that's easy. It's Edwin Warner Park. Okay. Um, you can just get lost in the trails and do a short trail or do a long trail and hiking with friends and family is the best. Okay. I would hike if there was like a donut shop at the end of the trip. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I'm all in fitness. I'm all about fitness, fitness donut in me mouth. You know? I know my gym, my gym guy and girl are just shaking their head at me. And my, my dietitian's like, dude, like, you know, oh, goodness. anyway. Okay. So, uh, so say that again, uh, the park, what was the name? Oh, Edwin Warner park, Edwin Warner, you know, my grandmother, whenever I got into trouble and folks don't do this, don't do this to me. 
she used to call me Edwin to get me mad and make me oh, come in. So, so we went from Edward to Edwin. Uh, anyway, okay. So second second uh, thing, tell me, uh, do you have a favorite movie theater? Where where are you guys located in in Nashville area? So we're in Williams, Williamson County. We're in Franklin. So we go to Thoroughbred Twenty Two or whatever it's called. Me too. Yeah, yeah. that's my, that's my theater. Um, I was in there the other day, and I, I have a TikTok channel that's nothing but dad jokes. And one of the girls must subscribe because I'd left them some stickers one time. She goes, it's the TikTok guy. And I'm like, your wife's like, my wife's like, oh, no, no, no. Oh, how, that's so, great. Yeah, my, I had to tell them. my husband about your dad jokes. TikTok. There you go. So, uh, so I love that theater because it's got, it's got the recliners. Although I don't take my wife into those theaters because she'll just fall asleep. If she could take, you know, some of them are taking blankets now and wearing their jammers and I know it's not me, but, but anyway, so, okay. So that theater, and I have to tell you, are you an AMC Stubbs member where you don't have to pay for each movie? No, we are. We do pay for each movie. Okay. Every time that we see the, the advertisement, we're like, oh, maybe that's a good idea. $21.95, <laughs> three movies a week. And, and I don't have any AMC stock. I probably should, but. <laughs> I was at Regal for a long time because our closest theater was a Regal. And so I moved to AMC when we moved to Franklin because it's the closest theater. And yeah. uh, I pay $21.95 a month plus tax. I get discount. I Every drink and popcorn is upgraded. Nice. Every movie is free. And AMC, unlike Regal or movie, uh, like Regal, uh, they don't charge you for using the website or booking on the app. There's no oh, convenience wow. fee. And so... We can say 15 minutes before the movie starts. Hey, you want to go see a movie? Oh, what's on? Oh, yeah, let's pick that one. And Friday, it's really smart. It resets every Friday. So you're ready for the weekend movies if you used up your three movies during the oh, week. Wow. It resets. Anyway, so that's okay. that's my that's my secret about that theater. Okay. Now, do you have a favorite restaurant? I'm looking for some good restaurants around Franklin. I love Garcia's, the Mexican place. I love Quinn's the pub yeah. they do the best reuben i love um asian taste on royal oaks you got oh yeah you got any um my family loves it's called sunset thai now it used to be zushimaki okay and it is a very small um thai restaurant that is you know where home depot is on royal oaks yep. and Publix. it's on that side that's where we go center. their pad thai is hard to beat it is, isn't it? I mean, it's the legit, right. legit pad thai. So we we do enjoy. Uh, there you go. Maybe we need to organize and, and and have one of those dinners. That would be fun. My sixteen oh, year old niece. So talking about teenagers, yeah. I tell you what, my three. They were some challenging kids, but not you know. I say challenging compared to what you have to deal with and what these kids are going through. My kids were pampered. But I sent each of them to Australia, 14, 16, and they got to hang out. But so my, so my sister said, okay, well, when my guys get older, then they're coming to you. I said, okay. So my 16-year-old niece is over here. Mm -hmm. She is just a delight. Her name's Summer, and she has sayings. We call them Summer. We, we're going to say Summer's sayings, but it's Summer slang is what we've gone with. And so she thinks she says things like she'll take the good day, mate, and get rid of the good day. And she just says, mate, like when she's like emphasizing it's mate. And then uh, she says, oh, my days, like if oh somebody cuts her off or or if something's unexpected or unusual, her exclamation is, oh, my days. And I'm like, we got to get T-shirts. 
Okay. So this has been an absolute pleasure. But again, sort of like buying toys with, uh, you know, getting, getting grandkids or kids and sugaring them up and handing them back to their parents. She goes home. I think we've just heard that she has to be home by March 20th or she leaves on March 20th. So she's been with us since December 20th. Oh, wow. You don't know. When you open up your home, mm. we were scared to death. Like, you know, what if she's one of them, you know, that doesn't laugh at my jokes? Like that would be a <laughs> That would, that would be terrible you know exactly you know be the end of the world so anyway so so uh but she's been fun and, and she's been wanting to try all these it's funny because the things that she sees from australia she wants to try all these different american restaurants you know american but fast food a list of fast food well kfc is the top of the chicken chain in australia there's probably only two or three chicken restaurants and she's like oh we've got to go to kfc and i'm like kfc in australia and kfc over here they do not they do not have the same. I said, let's go to Chick-fil-A first. Yeah, I was about to say, I think my family would vote for Chick-fil-A. <laughs> we love Chick-fil-A. And she, we're coming back from a long trip. She said, oh, can I get a sandwich at, at, at KFC? I'm like, okay, let's go to KFC. It, it wasn't as good an experience as Chick-fil-A. I know they're trying hard. I know it's hard without workers, but you know, that sort of stuff. Anyway, so folks, there are some hidden gems for you to deal with. And we'll have yeah. those in the show notes. And um, Carrie, maybe we, what we need to do is have you come back for another episode and dig in a little deeper on any areas. Because one of the things I like to do on Nashville too, is you're making a difference in the community, right? Um, and the people that you're helping and, and sharing this information with my viewers and listeners, which are a lot of local listeners as well, is that this is something that they can do, right? This is something that they can definitely do. Absolutely. And we would love to come back and thank you for the invite because by then we should have our next big event coming up so we can talk about that. And we can talk about the state of affairs as it is growing. Right. Um, I, I do believe that if you're hearing this today, you have an opportunity to do something and it could be big or small, but just act. There you go. Thank you very much. And if you're listening to this outside of Tennessee, you know, I have four sisters in Australia. They like to listen and make fun of all the mistakes I make. So um, if you're listening to this outside of Tennessee, whichever country you're in, I'm sure there is a system that needs your help. Without, without question, without right. question. And we have supporters of Jonathan's Path all across the United States. Right. And when um, I say system, we know it's it's not the system that needs your help. It's the kids it's the and kids. the groups that need the help within the system. But I say system to say that there's an organization that's doing something that could use your help to reach those kids and help those kids. And that's that's really what we're, what we're talking about. So don't just think that this is just in Tennessee. Uh, this is in every state, in every country, in every province, in every on every little island, on everybody, wherever there's humans, there's somebody that needs some love. Yes. And you can you can help them. So make sure, commit to feeling the fear and doing it anyway. Do right. something. You don't have to do a lot. You can just start off, dip, you know, it's like me. Carrie, are you a run and jump in the cold pool or are you a dip your toe in the cold pool? Um. <laughs> I'm more of a sit on the side and being the sun type of person at the pool. Stay out but... of the water altogether. 
But if I have to get in, I'm jumping. <laughs> okay. Me, it's like one foot at a time. Like, oh, this is crazy. I'm like, oh, and, and my dad would just go, look, just dive in. I'm like, oh. but anyway, hey, thanks for ha- coming on the show. It's been a blast. Uh, I know it's a difficult thing to talk about, but I think there's so much good happening in what you're doing. I think there's a lot of love to uh, for a lot of people to give. And I think they don't even know where to do that or how to do that. So having you on was great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Reach out and we will help everybody. This is the Nashville 2 Podcast with your host, Edward Fox.